Welcome to the Hope on the Hard Road podcast, where you and your family can find community, find encouragement, and find hope for the road ahead. Speak encouraging words to one another. Build up hope so that you will all be together in this. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 We wanted to add a special note to this episode. Many of our episodes are recorded in advance, and in this episode, you'll hear our guest, Sandra Peoples, share her heart for special needs ministry and for her family, including her beloved big sister, Sybil. Sadly, Sybil unexpectedly passed away in July. Will you please keep Sandra and her family in your prayers, especially as we enter the holiday season, which can make the heartache of losing a loved one all the more difficult. Thank you. Hey guys, you're not going to want to miss this episode. We're continuing on with our series on special needs ministry, and today we're talking with Sandra Peoples, author of Unexpected Blessings and special needs ministry consultant for the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention. As a pastor's wife and both a sibling and mom of someone with special needs, Sandra more than understands what it takes to start and maintain a thriving special needs ministry, no matter the size of the church. Let's listen in. Hi, Sandra. It is so great to have you on the podcast, and we are so excited to be able to be speaking with you about special needs ministry today. Yeah, I'm so excited to be with you guys. This is the topic that I I mean, I could spend hours on it. And so you guys may have to cut me off at some point because I could go on forever. I'm really excited about our conversation today. Yeah, that's great. Um, Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what got you involved in special needs ministry? Well, I am a special needs sibling. I grew up with a sister with Down syndrome, and we grew up in this small town in Oklahoma, and our church always welcomed us. Like, I didn't even know that a church wouldn't welcome a special needs family, because even way back in the 80s and 90s, they were doing a great job of inclusion. And then uh, my husband and I got married. He's a pastor. We had two boys, and then in 2010, our son was diagnosed with autism. We lived in Pennsylvania at the time, and I looked around, and I was like, oh, there's no special needs families at our church. Like, something I had taken for granted as I was growing up suddenly wasn't available to us when we needed it, and because my husband's a pastor, we couldn't just go to another church that did have a special needs ministry. I mean, this was the church we were called to. And so we had to, like, say, are are you willing to support us and to support him and meet his needs so that we can continue to be a part of this church? And they did. They did an amazing job. There was an occupational therapist who was part of the church, and she kind of led the way because she knew more than I did. I mean, I, I you know, like, remember those first days after a diagnosis? I mean, you barely know up and down and left and right. I mean, it's just so confusing. And so she took the lead on it. And, um, and we were there for a few more years after that. And and they did a great job meeting his needs and loving our family and really serving us well. Uh, That is, that is so great. Absolutely understand that from a personal perspective. You know, you're in a new position. Can you tell us a little bit about that? 
Yeah. So, so we were in Pennsylvania for a few years and then seven years ago, we moved to Texas, which is where my parents and my sister live. And so we're just in the town next to them now. And so it was great to get closer to family. And so my husband pastors a church outside of Houston is where we live. And I right now serve as the inclusion coordinator for special needs families, which just means that families that come to our church, I I help meet their kids' needs, but I make sure that every member of the family is a full member of everything that our church offers, and they're able to do everything that we do. And then I also serve our state convention as the special needs ministry consultant. So that means any Southern Baptist of Texas church across the state, if they want to start a special needs ministry or strengthen their existing ministry, I get to help them do that. And so... um, It's a position that's existed just for two or three years, and so we are still growing and learning and and reaching out. You know, Texas is a big state. There's lots of churches for me to meet and get to know and let them know what we're able to do for them, and so it's been a really exciting position. I think uh, there's a few other denominations and states that have similar roles to this, but this is the only one that I know of in our Southern Baptist world. And so it's just really exciting to be able to have this ministry calling and to uh, just do what I can to reach families and help churches. That's so awesome. And I'm sure that uh, as you're going through this, you probably have some incredible stories to uh, share uh, that you've impacted families' lives. So would you mind sharing some of that with us? Yeah, in fact, just recently, over the summer, the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention has what we call Special Needs Ministry Sunday. And so it's a time for all of our churches to celebrate the members that we have that have disabilities. And so there's one church here in Texas, they're in Lufkin, and it's called Harmony Hill Baptist Church, and they are led by Cynthia Pounds. And they knocked it out of the park for Special Needs Ministry Sunday. Like, I just love all of the things they did to celebrate the families that attend there. And so they did videos that they showed on their social media and in the service, and they highlighted different special needs families in the church. And those families got to talk about their member with a disability, what the church means to them. So one of the pastors on staff has a son with a disability. And so they talked about what it means to them for the church to come alongside them and support them. And especially like we were a pastor's family, especially as their son grows. I mean, some churches do really good at special needs ministry with children, but but it seems harder with teenagers or adults. And so they kind of put the challenge out there that said, hey, church, you're great at meeting this need. And, and we're excited to see how you're going to continue to meet the needs of our family. So I loved that. And then they had another family, the, the Corbett family that spoke in a video and their son Jackson has autism. And they said, we wouldn't be at this church if it weren't for the action ministry, the special needs ministry that they have. And so I love that they just highlighted all these families and all their stories and said, we're here because this church has this ministry. If the church didn't have the ministry, we we might not even have a church home. And so that's why doing special needs ministry is so important because, I mean, you know, if we go to a new church, we, we always look at the website to say, uh, if we're visiting somewhere and we have to go like, are they going to be able to 
handle James? Is there a place for him? What what is this going to look like? And so that's one of my favorite success stories of churches here in our in Texas that are just doing an amazing job reaching families and supporting the families they have. One thing that the Corbett family said was not only are they meeting the needs of their son with autism, but they're meeting the practical needs of the family. Like they are encouraging them spiritually, but if they need help with rides or help with meals, the church is doing that too. And so there's just so many opportunities for churches to bless families like ours as we bless the churches that we attend. I love that. You know, you just spoke to our next question, which is, you know, we know that the three of us all have a desire to see disability and special needs ministries in churches, but can you share with the listeners a little bit more about why special needs ministry is so important or why churches would want to even go in this direction with their ministries? Yeah. You know, I don't think pastors realize how many special needs families there are. I mean, according to the census in 2000, it's almost one in five families have a member with a disability. So that's 20% of the population. And so I just, like I tell pastors, if you look out on your congregation and you don't see special needs families, you're missing out on 20% of the population of the city where you live, where you're called to be salt and light and reach unreached people. And, and special needs families are one of those unreached people groups, you know, that we like to send missionaries to. And so there's just this harvest in our communities of special needs families who need the hope of the gospel and a church home that they can be a part of. But we can't do that unless there's some accommodations made for our children or, our, you know, if we're adults ourselves with disabilities. And so it's not just like I said, popping in on a Sunday morning and say, and dropping James off at the youth group, there's no way I could do that, right? Like I, there, there has to be things in place that show me that that church is able to meet our needs. And so like in our church, that looks like a couple of things. We have buddies that are with our kids who can be in a typical class. We have a sensory class that's kind of like a self-contained class in a school we have uh, for our teenagers and young adults, a reverse inclusion class, which means the class is designed for the students with disabilities, but then typical peers get to come in and be a part of that class. And so without those accommodations, families like ours wouldn't be able to attend. And so I just, I, I just think of this huge opportunity that there is for churches to reach families, to bless them, to encourage them. And then we come in with ways that we bless families too, right? Like we've been through some things and we can, other families can come to us and learn from us, from what we've experienced, what God has taught us through the hard times that we've gone through. And so it's not just asking a church to meet this list of demands that we have. We want to be fully integrated into church life. And that means they welcome our kids with disabilities and they make accommodations for them, but that also means we're serving in the ways that we can. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, they're really missing out if they don't have families like ours that attend. Oh, we so agree with that. And, you know, it really is fantastic. Sounds like you got quite a program going there. Um, but then there's churches that are just starting off and like worried about starting a, a special needs ministry. So in looking at that, obviously you can't go from zero to where you guys are at, you know, in a few minutes or, you know, in a year, how would you, uh, 
encourage them to start a ministry and what to look for and and then what are the next steps? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I mean, I the church that we were at in Pennsylvania, we started from scratch and that was about a church of 125, 150. And then when we moved to the church where we are now, it's 300, 350, but we started from scratch here too, right? So everybody has to start somewhere. And mm-hmm. so that's a good question to say, where do we, especially if we're one of those smaller churches or a church plant that doesn't have our own building. I mean, you know, like there's so many things we can see as obstacles that keep us from starting. And so I think the first step is to look around and see if you have any special needs families. Do you have anybody with a disability who's there? Talk to them, say, how are we meeting your needs? And how are we not meeting your needs? Like I like to say, if you've got a family and you're only seeing two out of the four family members, and that means there's somebody at home having to stay home with the kid with a disability. And so you're not meeting all of their needs. And so you can ask those questions and get started. The easiest way that we have found to get started is with that budding ministry. And so if you have kids that are already in your children's ministry or your youth ministry, train some responsible teenagers and some adults to just come alongside them to help them and to to just kind of be their friend. I mean, really, the, the heart of it is just being a friend, good hospitality. I like to say it's like um, Moses and Aaron, how God had this call on Moses's life. And Moses said, I can't do it because I have a stuttering problem. And then God said, well, your brother Aaron will help you. And so that's kind of the foundation for me for this buddy ministry is we all have weaknesses and deficits. God still puts a call on all of our lives to fulfill a purpose on my life, my son James's life, my sister Sybil's life. And we all need help fulfilling that call. And so the buddy ministry is just somebody coming alongside them and helping them, whether that means helping them fill out, you know, the the worksheet kind of activity sheet that they're doing because they can't spell a word or whether that means, hey, I, I, it looks like you're getting overwhelmed. Let's take a walk <laughs> so that we can get out of this. Or here's a pair of noise reducing headphones that will help you be able to function better in this space. And then you can grow from there and do the things like I talked about, like having a, a classroom for your kids with more profound disabilities, um, and then that reverse inclusion. But at the heart of it is just hospitality. Like, how do I make these students, these kids and teenagers and young adults, how do they feel welcome? And what changes can we make that help them feel welcome here? Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing on that, uh, maybe just uh, could you get some insight on like how you go about recruiting buddies? Like, do you, do you go um, with your husband being a pastor up in front of the congregation or do you like go into the youth and, and present that? Like, what do you do? What's your kind of process about recruiting uh, buddies? Yeah, I would say all of the above, <laughs> right? Because we're we're casting a wide net. And so at our church, there's certain times of year that, that everybody's recruiting new helpers, the children's ministry, the preschool ministry, the youth ministry. And so I'm up there on the stage, just like everybody else saying, hey, we need more help. We need more teachers. We need more buddies. So there's a wide net that I cast for anybody who feels the calling. And then I also target especially the teenagers who I think would do a good job with it. And so I target them, target adults who I know work in special ed or work as therapists. The two times of year that are the most helpful for me to train new people are at VBS, 
So for VBS, we it's like an all hands on deck kind of thing. And so I'm recruiting, especially those teenagers. And I like, hey, do you want to come be on my buddy team? And here's what that looks like. And here's what you do. And I'm right there with them. And so um, it's almost like shadowing. So they're not just out there on their own. So VBS is a really good time to train. And then we do respite nights four times a year where families can drop their kids off. And so um, so that I'm training volunteers then because then they're just committing to like a few hours on a weekend and they kind of see what it's like. And so that's one of my onboarding processes to say, hey, come serve in respite. And then from there, hey, do you want to serve once a month as a buddy in this class? And so um, it's kind of a funnel, you know, so there's these big casting times that I'm like, hey, anybody who wants to come and then I then I target people. Those are the ways we get them trained and then we get them plugged into a regular rotation. Yeah, the respite night seems like a wonderful idea. You know, it's not a huge commitment for a teenager, yet it's a huge thing for the parents. You know, yeah. three hours for volunteering is not a lot for, for somebody to be a buddy, not compared to week in and week out. And yet the the value for the parents is incredible. So really, really cool thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what can a family do if their church doesn't have a ministry currently? What what can they do to start one? Yeah, I think that's a great question because that's that's a question I get most often. Okay. You, you know, because they see me on social media and they say, my church doesn't do what your church does, right? I'm not married to the pastor. I can't make him do <laughs> what you get to make your your husband do, you know? And so um, there's a couple of ways to go about it. I I I just I don't think pastors are doing this intentionally. I don't think they're sitting around saying, how do we keep special needs families away from our church? In fact, Lifeway did a study like pre-COVID. It came out right before COVID hit. And it was something like 90 something percent of pastors say that their church is special needs welcoming. And the rest of us were like, "Mm, we disagree, right? (laughs) because we can't go to 99% of churches and feel welcome at those churches. And so it's not, they just don't know what they don't know is really what it came down to, right? Like they just didn't know, like they think they have a ramp. And so then their special needs accommodating when we're saying, no, we have a a child with level three autism who will run up and down that ramp a hundred times and never make it in the building because what's inside is not working for him or her. Mm So I think you can go to your pastor, you can set up a meeting and you can say, hey, I'd love for you to meet our family, invite the pastor over for dinner so he can see what it looks like at your house and say, here are the challenges that we have. Here's some solutions that I've come up with. Here's here, like, don't just say, this is all on you to figure out. Say, here's some resources. Here's some some ways that we found. Um, If that doesn't work, I, I like to, to say you need to pray for an advocate who will speak up for your family on your behalf, okay? So if you feel overwhelmed, if you're not in a place where you feel like you can go talk to your pastor, then make a friend or find somebody like I did in our first church who was an occupational therapist or a special ed teacher or somebody who is familiar with your world that can kind of be that mediator between you and the pastoral staff and to say, here's what what a family like ours needs in order to feel welcome here. And here's the steps that you can take. And, um, you know, I did the church that I mentioned earlier as such a great church. They had me come in and do a training for their entire staff. 
And so I got to speak to everybody from the tech team to the youth minister, like they were all in this room and, and we talked through everything. We laid a foundation of disability, theology of disability. And then we talked about how to take practical steps of welcoming and belonging. And so you just kind of have to get to know the pastor and say, what will convince him? Is it talking about a theology of disability? Is it framing it as a mission field opportunity? Is it just talking to the children's pastor instead of the youth minister and say, or the instead of the head pastor and saying, here's some ways that here's some things that work for kids like mine. And maybe this would be helpful for your ministry. And, you know, I have a friend who works in schools and she says, there's no longer classrooms that are just typical. There's so many kids with some kind of diagnosis now that every teacher in a way is a special ed teacher, right? And so I feel that way with churches, especially in children's ministry. You may not know that you have kids with disabilities in your children's ministry, but they're there. And it may be that the children's minister doesn't know how to meet those needs and we can come in and kind of offer solutions and help and um, just advocate for those families. So true. So good, Sandra. You know, you mentioned the theology of disability. Can you speak a little bit to that? Because a lot of our listeners may not know, you know, what you're referring to. And I think that's just a lovely thing to um, talk about. Sure. I'd love to. So I think if you're not in this disability world, you may not know what the Bible teaches about disabilities and what the Bible teaches about God's purpose in disabilities. And so, like I mentioned before, when we were talking about buddies and I mentioned Moses and Aaron, and so that's kind of one of the foundational passages of scripture that I think set a theology of disability because God calls Moses and says, go before Pharaoh. And, and Moses says, I can't, I'm, I'm slow of speech. And so we assume that's some kind of stuttering. And God says, don't you think I know that? I make man mute. I make him see. I make him blind. And so in, in that instance, in that very early in scripture, in the book of Exodus in chapter four, we see that, that God has control over everything. And that includes disabilities. And so he has a purpose in those disabilities for those of us who have disabilities, right? And so this isn't an accident. Um, it's not bad luck. It's not punishment. From Exodus 4 all the way through, we see that God has a purpose in disabilities. And so that's one of those foundational passages that I like to look to, specifically for disability ministry inclusion. Luke 14, there's a parable of the great banquet, and that and Jesus is talking about what the kingdom of heaven will look like. And the Pharisees think everybody there is going to look just like them, right? Like be smart and wealthy and this high status. And Jesus kind of turns that on its head. And he says, he gives the example of a, a, a wealthy man who throws a big banquet and everybody has an excuse. And so the servant comes to him and says, what do you want me to do? And he says, go out and bring in the lame and the blind and the poor. And the servant says, I've brought them in and still there's room. And so what that teaches me is the kingdom of heaven will include the blind, the lame, the poor. And when we start with them, when we make accommodations for them, there is room for everyone. That's what scripture says. We've, we've done this. We've invited these people in and still there's room. So if a children's minister or a pastor is saying, oh, it's too hard. I can't meet these needs. It's going to take away from the kids that we have here. 
Jesus has already answered that, right? He says, when you meet these needs, there's room for everyone. When you get good at being a teacher with a room that has kids with autism and sensory processing disorder, that makes you a better teacher for every kid in there. (laughs) Because you can, you learn the uniqueness and learn each kid. And so that's a foundational passage, I think, in disability ministry and a theology of disability. And and so you can just look from beginning to end of how God is telling this story that includes people with disabilities. Mm -hmm. I just love that, what you, what you just explained. Um, Can you talk then about some resources you'd recommend for churches, I suppose parents as well, uh, with the the idea of uh, special needs ministry? There are a few nonprofit ministries that are across the country that do a great job producing content, answering questions. Um, They're my go-to resources. And so they're for any level, whether you're just starting a ministry or whether you're in charge of your whole state and you still have questions, right? Like I do. And so out in California, and then they have offices all over the country is Johnny and Friends. So started by Johnny Erickson Tata, who herself is a person with a disability. And so she has regional offices all across the country and an amazing website that has lots of different help. So Johnny and Friends, which is J-O-N-I and Friends is super helpful Ability Ministry is a really helpful resource. They especially are great at creating content for um, lessons for adults with disabilities. So we're all looking for curriculum, right? And so how do we adapt the curriculum that we have? And so they produce a lot of great curriculum, especially video-based curriculum. Um, So Ability Ministry is one. Um, Key Ministry is one. I'm a board member at Key Ministry. I used to be an employee there. And so it's it's my favorite go-to resource. And they do a great job of, uh, they have a Facebook group that has thousands of special needs ministry volunteers and directors in it. And so that's a great resource to go and ask questions and get answers. They host a conference every year called Inclusion Fusion in April. It's in Ohio. They have monthly roundtable meetings, and so you can log in on Zoom and talk with them about the topic that they are presenting that month, and so that's a really great resource, and and so um, there's three or four different conferences around the country that help happen at different times. There's one in Atlanta in August called the Together Conference. There's one in Kansas City in October called the Wonderfully Made Conference, and so there's just all these opportunities that that I don't think people are always aware of. They think they have to do all this on their own um, and reinvent the wheel. <laughs> and that that's not how it has to happen. There's tons of resources. Key Ministry has a podcast. And so I'm one of the month. So you already have a great podcast audience. If they're podcast people, we release new episodes on Thursdays and um, there's four different co-hosts. And so we're talking about disability ministry and mental health ministry and all kinds of different things. And so that's a helpful resource as well. Oh, that is so valuable. Thank you so much, Sandra, for sharing all of those resources, because we know there are churches that are looking to start a ministry and they're so overwhelmed and they think it needs to start, you know, really big right away. And you've given them every step from A to Z. And I I just love that and all the resources that they can reach out to. You know, so if a church is currently serving families, how can they then turn and reach even more families in their community? Yeah, I love this because 
I, I think there's different kind of stages that a, a church can go through in their disability ministry. And so the first one we talked about is, hey, you're welcome here on a Sunday morning if you show up. And that's great. That's super valuable for families like us who want to show up, right? We see the value in going to church. But there's this whole, like we talked about, a whole mission field. You've got a whole city of special needs families out there who need the hope of Christ and they need a church family, but they may not even know it. <laughs> like they just may be living their lives oblivious to the fact that they have this God-shaped hole in their lives. And so I think churches have the opportunity to be really proactive in reaching these families. And so one of the best ways that we talked about respite nights. So when my church does a respite night, we are advertising that through our school district because we have a good relationship with our school district. And so they're sending out flyers to the special needs classes and, and pulling people in. So that gets them in the building and they're seeing what our classrooms look like and, and meeting our people. And so the follow-up is, hey, we hope you'll come on a Sunday so that we can continue to serve your family. And then there's tons of outreach ideas. I'll mention a couple of them that are my favorites. So one of them is a special needs friendly movie. Yeah. So if you can go to a movie cinema, you know, movie theater, we have one in our town that's locally owned. And so on a Saturday morning at 10 o'clock when they're not normally open, we can play a sensory friendly movie. Again, we advertise that through the school district, through therapy places in town, through Facebook groups, all of the different ways. And they come in and the lights are up a little bit and the sound is down a little bit from a normal movie. And then we have activities out in the lobby so that if somebody needs a break, they can come out and have coloring sheets that go along with the theme and Play-Doh and different things like that. We have our noise reducing headphones that the kids can wear. And we've had so many families say we've never been to a movie before because we can't go to a regular movie. Um, and then before the movie starts, my husband gets up and introduces himself and says, this is brought to you for free by our church. And we would love to have you. And so that's just a way to serve the community. One of the things we did early on that was really cool was we offered family photo sessions and so that. that's hard I right like that. oh gosh yeah it's the worst and so we did it in um like October I think so that families could use the pictures for their Christmas cards yes. and so we we found a special ed teacher who was great at photography so she was super patient and we said we had the family sign up online and met at a park and like signed up for like 30 or 45 minute, you know, slots. And then the photographer just we took some pictures of them with our props, but then the photographer just followed. Right. So if the kids <laughs> went to the swings, or they went this way or that way. She was up for whatever. And so that was really cool because. It just serves a need for families like ours. And then we get their email address and we can continue to follow up and, and tell them what we offer. And so there's lots of really cool ways to reach families. And those are those are three of my favorite respite nights, sensory friendly movie, and then those family photo sessions. Those are so great. I like how you think outside the box on ways to serve. I mean, it's here the heart of you and your church and the, the ministry aspect. And, you know, it doesn't even have to necessarily be special needs related. Uh, taking pictures of kids, you don't think of that as a special needs resource, but man, what a blessing to the family. So really, 
you know, praise you for thinking outside the box <laughs> on ways to serve people. Um, can you tell us what's coming up in the future for your ministry? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, one of the things that I am passionate about is, and I really think when we talk about the future of disability ministry, what does that look like? And, and who's our target audience? And for me, I think it is children's ministers and youth ministers, because not every church is going to be able to hire a special needs ministry coordinator. Not every church is big enough to do that. And so for me, I think the future is equipping children's ministers and youth ministers to be more inclusive and to know how to make these accommodations so that it's just part of the DNA of every ministry, right? So even if your church doesn't have a special needs ministry, your church knows how to serve people with disabilities because it's just part of who you are. And so for me personally, I'm going back to school to get a PhD so that I can teach future children's ministers and youth ministers how to do this. I mean, this is kind of a long range casting, but um, I feel like that's our future. I really feel like more and more children's ministers have this one kid and they're like, I don't, what do I do with this one kid? And so we've got to help give them resources at every level of ministry so that they know what to do when that one kid keeps showing up and, and they can serve him better and then serve all of their kids better. And then hopefully ministries will grow um, but that every church is at least welcoming, hospitable, accommodating when families like ours show up. I just love that. That is so great. And I love that um, God has placed you in that position to go back to school and to cast that vision. And I just, boy, you are right on with that. That is beautiful. You know, Sandra, we always love to wrap up the podcast with this question, which is, what is one thing that you would like to share with our listeners to help encourage them and to bring hope for the road ahead? Yeah, that's that's really, that's a good question. I mean, you know, because I feel like we've been so optimistic in this conversation, right? We've cast this vision, but you know, and I know there's families listening that are like, it's hard. It's hard to get up on a Sunday morning. It's hard to be to advocate for my child at school, at the doctor, and now you're asking for me to do it at church. And I just, I don't have it in me, right? And so, you know, whether families have a relationship with the church or whether that feels hard or easy, I don't want them to ever doubt that God wants a relationship with them and that God will draw them to himself and he will open up opportunities for fellowship. And so don't feel like, well, I've tried this church and I've tried this church and it's just too hard and blame God for the failures of the church, right? And, and we've all experienced those. I mean, even as a pastor's wife, <laughs> there's, there's things that I have to overcome when I get up on a Sunday morning and go to church and, and demand sometimes for um, things that should come easier, especially when we're talking about God's people. And so the hope that I want to give is, is that no matter how many disappointments you've had with a church, God will never disappoint you. God is always there, always loving, always hoping for more. And so we can cast this vision because we know that that vision comes from him because that's his heart for churches and his heart for our families. And we just have to continue to, 
to close that gap between what he wants and what we experience. And so we continue to take those steps, but he's taking those steps toward us, even if it seems like kind of a roundabout way to get there. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you so much for coming on today. This has been such great information for not only church leaders, but also families. And I just, um, we so appreciate your heart for special needs ministry in churches and out into the world. I mean, this is just, um, it's really inspiring and we're really thankful for you, Sandra. So keep up the good work because this is amazing. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Resources and contact information for today's podcast will be included in the show notes. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share us with others and be sure to follow us so you won't miss an episode. And we'd love to hear from you, so please leave us a comment or rating and connect with us on social media or on our website at hopeonthehardroad.org.